I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I have my friend Abby Grimm on the show with me this week, and I am so excited for our conversation and to share it with you this week. I feel like it has been a while since we've chatted about HA recovery, and if you're new here and you're like, wait, wait a second, what is HA? HA stands for hypothalamic amenorrhea. And Abby and I have both experienced HA in the past and we have both restored our health and now have our period every single month. But if you read the title of today's podcast episode, or the description, you'll probably clue into the fact that Abby didn't really fit the mold or like the stereotype of someone who has hypothalamic amenorrhea. So typically a person with hypothalamic amenorrhea, the classic mold, I guess you could say, or the stereotype would be for this person to not be eating enough, so be restricting their calories, be underweight, and over-exercising or be like struggling with their relationship with food in some way. That's typically what we see is someone under-eating and underweight. But as you'll learn and hear from Abby throughout this episode, she really didn't fit that mold at all. So I think she's a really great example to learn from and just listen to because she has such a unique story, but a really incredible and inspiring story for sure. And I love just sitting down with a friend that I've made on social media and talking about health and their journey towards health and what that looked like. And you all know, if you're listening to this episode, you all know that I am team eat the most food possible. And Abby is absolutely part of this team with me. So we talk about eating more food and I hope this episode inspires you to get excited about eating more food. Hi, Abby. Welcome to the show. Finally. I'm so excited to have Finally. you on. I'm so excited to be here. As I told you earlier, dream come true, like have loved your podcast for forever. So it's an honor. Oh, girl, honestly, it's a dream come true having you just like on Zoom sitting here with me. I know. Yeah, honestly, I, you and I have been chatting for a little bit before we hit record and I don't know. You're just like one of those people that I connected with on social media and you and I have never actually sat down outside of like the Instagram DMs, but I feel like you're one of those people that I'm like, how have I, like, am I sure that I've never been on Zoom with you before? Because 1000%, like could not agree more. It's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. And there's like very few people, you know, that you really feel that connection with. So I'm just so happy to have you on and I'm really excited for our conversation today. You and I connected through HA, so hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery, and Mm -hmm. we haven't really, I mean, a lot of people tune into this show about HA, like they love these conversations, so I'm really excited to have you on, but before we really dive into things, if people are just meeting you for the first time and they need to know a little bit more about you, if you want to just like tell everyone who you are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I'm Abby. I'm a dietitian. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. So, 
you know, not too far from you, but also on the other side. And um, I work technically in private practice for a nutrition company called Forward Fuel Sports Nutrition. Um, so I work a lot more on like the functional medicine side of things, functional nutrition, like really using food as medicine, um, helping people optimize health and um, performance. We are like more of a sports nutrition company, but just with my background and my passions, like I really tend to work with the women that come into our practice. So those like dealing with hormone imbalances or like gut issues or nutrient deficiencies or like menstrual irregularities, as we both love to talk about. Um, I do kind of tend to work with more of those women, but again, I see a lot of different, different types of individuals on a scale, but all working like from the nutrition end and working to kind of restore imbalances um, in that way. So that's professionally kind of what I do. But as we know, and we'll talk about today, like I've dealt with so much of my own um, experiences with hypothalamic amenorrhea and hormone issues, gut issues, overtraining. Um, and now just really try to bring all this like clinical and personal experience into not only practice, but just like having these conversations to have you know, more nuanced discussions also about HA and like how it's so different for everyone. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about me. Awesome. So speaking about HA and how it is different for everyone, I mean, like both you and I have experienced it, have recovered from it. And I know our journeys are very different, but there's also some overlap. So I'm, I'm really excited to hear about like what your journey was like. I know there's a lot of yeah. women listening to the show right now who have HA and I feel like just listening to these stories can just really help. And like, they're so motivating throughout recovery, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's so funny. Cause like we put this, like we now are able to put this label on it of something that we have, but I think that so there's even as we sit here today, just still so many women that are dealing with this that have no idea like what it is and what the actual condition is driven by and so many things. So yeah, it's so different for every single person um, as far as like how they got there and how they recover from the process. But yeah, I mean, I'm happy to share kind of my background a little bit. I feel like kind of what progressed to the whole situation and then obviously a little bit about my recovery process. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay, so I grew up an athlete. Like I've been an athlete from the time I can remember, honestly. Like I was always just, that was the, that's the first thing I remember being, falling in love with as a kid was just like being outside tumbling on the grass, like being in gymnastics, wanting to play every sport there was. So I just like loved sports and loved being outside and being, you know, doing fitness from the time I can remember. Um, and into high school, I was also, you know, playing varsity sports. I com competitively swam. I played volleyball competitively and then, you know, played club volleyball all throughout college and was pursuing that into college. Um, and as far as like my interest in nutrition, I was always so interested in studying nutrition. Like I was in high school, I'm like I'm going to be a dietitian, which is so funny because like not many people I feel like have that you know, like calling or like recognition so early on, but so much of that was driven by my like my, um, interest in sport and the role that it would have, like in making me a better athlete and just like, like body composition and all of that. So I definitely think like I was interested in nutrition, not only because of like how it affected me, like I wanted to see how I could implement it into my life. Um, and obviously, you know, there's so much, like I didn't know in high school that I thought I knew about nutrition and like what was right, what was wrong. Um, but I mean, I definitely, um, it was into college that I learned, was learning a lot more. And at this point I was like studying to become a dietitian. So I'm learning more about nutrition. Um, and I was, you know, working out still pretty, like pretty regularly <clears throat> in college, just like going to going to the gym and doing more bodybuilding style type of workouts. But I fell upon CrossFit. I was introduced to it by a friend and then I fell right into it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. It, it was just something that I, I was naturally good at because of my background in the sports that I played. And it was the competitive nature that I was really missing from like competitive sports. So Look, with many things, I'm very driven, like very type A. And when I do something, I'm like 100%. I'm all in. 
So I like really just fell in love with doing CrossFit and wanted to get competitive. And I found out that, oh, like you can actually do this and be competitive and like do it, do competitions. And at this time, I'm like just now getting introduced to like what the CrossFit Games was, which is like the Super Bowl of CrossFit. And um, I, yeah, just really started like training hard. I would, I was at the point where I would like train twice a day. And I then started to realize like, oh, people in this sport, like, they're jacked. Like they're really like strong. Like they build muscle and like everyone just like, just was so lean and like, just had just really beautiful body compositions. And I was like, I want that. But not only just because I thought it looked good, but also because I was like, I want to be stronger and leaner to be a better CrossFit athlete. And so in the world of CrossFit, a lot of people are very into their nutrition. Like they, you know, into the world of like counting macros and going paleo and all this stuff. And there's so much more knowledge about this now. And, you know, I would have totally done things differently, but just going into this person, knowing I wanted to get more competitive in the sport, I'm like, okay, I really need to dial in on my nutrition, which I don't think initially was a bad thing at all, because even being a dietitian, like unless you learn how to track your food and like know and be aware of what you're eating, like you don't really know what you're eating. It's kind of crazy. Like you could ask a person on the street, like what's in this banana? I guarantee they're not going to know. Like, isn't it kind of crazy? Like they don't know like around how many grams of carbs it is or like what the, like what the nutrients are. And like, I'm not saying that that that's anyone's fault, but like what are, what is in our food and knowledge about food is like really not like a common thing. So I really think that like tracking my macros and like learning more about my nutrition was a beneficial thing, but I definitely was not like led to do it in the right way. And I didn't have enough understanding and knowledge about like what was the proper amount of calories for me, what was appropriate for like the volume and the intensity and amount of workout that I was doing. And then you layer that onto like being in a very rigorous program as a college student and like just waking up at 4am to like go work a job at the gym and then work out like for two to three hours after that. And then go home and do homework and study for exams and like create do case studies and all this stuff. Like I just put so much stress on myself. Right. So this is the beginning of like, okay, things are really kind of like starting to trend in that path. But like, I don't think I really realized it at the time. And it was in my sophomore year that I was when I can last recall having a period. And I can't even really remember like when it happened, you know, it's like, you look back on it at this point now and you're like, I don't even remember losing it. I think I just remember at one point being like, oh my gosh, I haven't had my period for a few months. And then it's kind of crazy because like you go, um, you, you know, at that time, you know, and I don't know if I want to like put numbers out there like I can put numbers out there I guess it's like relative to me as far as like yeah, weight we can put like a trigger warning out there for anyone yeah trigger like, warning out here yeah. like if numbers are a thing like maybe skip forward but I have no problem talking about it like I think you know probably really helpful honestly yeah yeah I think so too so I think probably before like when I really first started CrossFit and like started getting into it I also had like started to gain weight some weight in college before I started CrossFit I was I was at, at like probably the heaviest weight I'd ever weighed. And so I probably was around like 165 to 170 pounds. And then like within probably a couple months of starting CrossFit, I probably was down like probably more than a couple months, but at least like six or so months, I probably lost like 10 pounds. Okay. So I remembered for the first time, like when I lost my period, I was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 160 to 155 pounds. Okay. Like that's like, it's like not a lot of weight, but like, that's like a lot of weight for someone that like lost a period. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. I mean, it's 10 so, pounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and so it's 10 pounds, but like I had always carried more weight than just a lot of my friends. Like I carried more muscle. I just, I just always had had big legs. Like I, I was never some like a hundred, like 15 pound thing. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying like, I was just never like a very, I wasn't a very small girl. Like I just always had a, just more of an athletic build. And so like, again, just like always, yes, yes, yes. Like always like that is just like the body, body God gave me, like, it's just how it was. And so I remember like losing my period at that point, like losing that or weighing that. And then it was like, I just like was continuing to get leaner and like get fitter and all this stuff. So I just didn't really care. Like I didn't pay attention to the fact I knew that it was like off. I knew that it wasn't right, 
but I just didn't really care at that point. I was like, Oh, like, whatever, this is what it is. It's probably just cause I'm like training a lot, which is definitely what it was. But, um, yeah, we can kind of like fast forward, I guess, to like into like my junior year, this is also going on. Like I'm going on year two now without a period at this point, I think I started to get concerned cause I would talk to people about it and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I, I don't really get that. Like, I just don't get it. And then I would go to try and see like gynecologists or doctors and they literally blew me off. They were like, you're fine. Like you are just such a, you just are really into fitness. Like you're very fit. You're a competitive athlete. Like this just isn't really something you need to be worried about. And I was like, okay, well, like if, if they're telling me this, then obviously it's fine. Yeah. And I did not concerned. Why should I be concerned? Why should I be concerned? Exactly. And they've even done like bone density tests because that's a big thing. Like in, you know, the, um, the rest or the, um, female athlete tryout triad space as far as like trying to diagnosing criteria you know you'll look at low um low bone density my bone density was actually like healthy it was normal but I also was doing a lot of weight bearing activity so I just don't think like the low hormones are really having too much of an impact on that um you know they checked that obviously my my hormone levels were completely in the tank like estrogen was nowhere inside like progesterone was but it was just all like well of course that's not going to be normal when like I don't have a cycle so yeah you just kind of go and you go and you go and you're not really getting any answers and you don't think there's anything wrong and looking back on it now it's like you know I was so tired all the time I was like at the point where I was just you know, I wouldn't sleep through the night. I was waking up like two, three times a night. I just thought that's what life was. I would just grunt through my workouts because I was just so committed to like training hard and, you know, competing at a high level because, you know, this is, you know, probably insignificant detail, but like at that time, the gym that I was competing for, we were like trying to, um, compete for a position at like the regional level in CrossFit. So the regional competition, which is kind of a big deal in CrossFit. And, you know, if you want to be a competitive athlete. So I was like aspiring to do that and training really hard. And I just had these blinders on of Like, this is what my goal is. And like, I'm surrounded by, you know, this environment that I love and I'm obsessed with it. I, I might not feel great all the time, but I just didn't really realize like how else I should have been like, should have felt. Um, and so then you just kind of fast forward, like I competed at CrossFit regionals in 2018. And then I graduated from college in 2018. And at that point I was moving on, as you know, like to do a dietetic internship, which is what you have to do to become a dietitian, like all your kind of rotations and field work. And I was doing that alongside a master's program. So I knew kind of coming out of my undergrad that I was definitely not going to have as much time to like dedicate to CrossFit and working out and everything. And I got into this really rigorous internship and grad school program. And again, at this time, it was still like, I'm going on five years now of not having a period. Like, and I had, I had read about HA, I'd read about like relative energy deficiency and all these different types of things. And again, I just think like, I didn't fit that mold, I guess, for what a lot of individuals come to having with HA, like a history of having an eating disorder, like, you know, anorexia or even bulimia or, having, you know, a really, really significant weight loss. Like I did have a significant weight loss, but it was like probably a 15 to probably a 15 pound weight loss over like a long stretch of time, which again, it's a lot of weight, but, but in your head, that's something that like, when you sit, when you hear someone say like significant weight loss, like you're not like in your head at that time, you're not thinking that's like your 10 to 15 pounds that you lost. Right. No, absolutely. And then I, I, I look back at my body now and I definitely was lean, but again, like I wasn't someone that you would just look at me and be like, Oh my gosh, like, there's no body fat on her. Like I carried body fat. Like I, you know, I just didn't, yeah, I don't need to oversay it. I essentially, I just didn't really feel like I fat, fat, uh, met the mold of um, an, a person with HA and my BMI was totally normal. And like, I wasn't in the underweight category. And so that's where I just kind of for so long was just like, I don't think this, it has to be something else. Like it has to be some type of like underlying infection or like environmental exposure or like thinking that it's like something so much more complicated. Right. Yes, exactly. And in the meantime, I'm just still like wrapped up in just like continuous ongoing mental and emotional stress, even though it kind of started to take a 
turn away a little bit from like high intensity workouts every single day. I was still doing them. Don't worry. I was still working out like every morning before I would go to the hospital and even sometimes again at night. But then I just took on so much mental and emotional stress trying to juggle a lot even throughout my internship. So because I was just so focused and wanted, you know, to excel and put myself in a good position career eyes. So um, then it was in my, you know, I got all the way through like my year of my internship and my master's. And then it was like coming out of that year that I can't even remember where we're at now. I think we're like probably into, this is like two to three years later. Like we're now in COVID year. And I, I think it was like, literally I heard a podcast with like you and Danny and I had read about HA and known about HA a little bit before that, but I think it was like hearing about something in that, in that conversation really triggered me to be like, I have to, I have to go with this. Like I have to give this a shot. And with most things, I'm pretty much like, if I know what the path is for me to do something like A plus B equals C, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. So looking back, I don't know whether this was the right approach, but I went all in like right away. It was like August 30th, I went to the gym and did a cross run and like September 1st, like I quit my gym membership type of thing. <laughs> like wow. It was crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So then it was like, full-blown committed to recovering and just reading and listening to everything I could about HA and understanding like the, the physiology behind it. Right. Cause I'm such a science-driven person that like, when I understood the physical, like the physiology behind the HPA access and the signaling and the communication and everything, it was just like, oh, this all adds up. Like this all makes sense. And so, yeah, then it was basically going through HA recovery and in probably two to three months was when I got of no exercise, like totally cut everything out, um, was when I got my first period back. And then, you know, I, I think it was like, they were perfectly spaced cycles. I think getting my next period was maybe like a 30 or 40 day cycle. And then after that was even a little bit longer. And then since then it was just like a slow journey into like full-blown you know, over a year and a half now of regular periods. So here we are. (laughs) So proud of you. So I have so many questions, obviously. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us because I, I said this before, but like, I think it's so helpful to hear other people's stories because like you said, right. When you knew that not having a period wasn't normal and you were familiar, like you kind of knew what HA was, but you were looking at all of those kind of like check marks, right? Because there's like Mm -hmm, basically like mm -hmm. these check boxes that are like, okay, here's the criteria for what typically like this person with HA is like what they've experienced in the past, where their body is right now, all of that stuff. And you were going through those check, that checklist. And it's like, okay, nothing really is applying to me here. right? Right. So I love that you're here and sharing that part of your journey with everyone. But okay, kind of going back, you said at the very beginning, like you knew that not having your period wasn't normal but you had these blinders on right you're just like eh whatever don't care but then I'm very curious like okay at the end of August and then beginning of September it just like went from like I'm just quitting my gym membership so what what do you think for you was that like what happened for you to just be like not really have like you don't have these blinders on anymore and you knew that like you needed to make a change yeah I mean I definitely think okay so I think that part of it was not like leading up to this moment of actually figuring out okay I think that I have HA I think so much of it was like a knowledge deficit for me where it's like I think if I had really known and understood what was actually going on prior, I probably would have made changes sooner. But because I didn't understand the extent of like what HA was and what was actually required of me to recover, that was a huge shift. Because if I think back, even one year prior to me going all in to recover my period, I had started to be like, okay, you know what I'm going to, I'm just going to really like dial back the intensity. And for a couple months, I was kind of like not really doing intense, like Metcons or 
anything super high intensity, or I would do maybe like one type of Metcon a week. And otherwise I was just doing more like lifting, bodybuilding type of workouts, just accessory work. But I, and, and, and I think probably I didn't give that long enough of a time span to be like, okay, well that didn't work. And then I think I kind of just like fell back into doing what was comfortable for me. Whereas if you think about it now, like what some people need to get their period back is like full blown rest. And I think that I just didn't realize again, the extent and the actual, like what was actually required of me, not only from the training piece, but from the food piece also to make all the magic come together to, to recover it for sure. So then it was like, when I knew I, and I just had a better understanding, I started hearing other stories of women that kind of like fit my mold as well, like Danny and other people. I was like, okay, wait, this actually might be my situation. So I'm going to go all in on it. So that's a really good point. Cause it's, it's not like I was like, oh, I don't care. And then I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. But there definitely was like, a huge not just an education barrier where it was like again I didn't really understand to the extent of what I was dealing with that's one side of it the other side of it is like at this point I'm in college like I'm dating my boyfriend at the time and we were probably like you know we started dating our freshman year of college and so we dated all throughout college and you know I'm thinking okay like I eventually want to get married and I eventually want to have kids but I knew I was so far from that and then I think like even as I started to approach the end of college and then my master's and then like we're getting closer probably to an engagement I think I really started to get freaked out about like oh much like if I don't have the ability to have kids that will absolutely crush me and be like just be terrible and so I think that's also something that really just started to kind of really motivate me to figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. No, that makes so much sense. And I love what you said about having a knowledge deficit, because I think that like that speaks to so many different areas. Like I feel like for me with like the eating piece, right. As soon as Mm -hmm. I started to learn and like really understand like how much food I actually needed and, you know, starting to unlearn all of these things that I had learned at one point about carbs and all this stuff, like, and relearn what's like actually true for my body, then I was actually able to do the thing. So it makes sense that, you know, once you actually got a better understanding of HA then you were actually able to go all in or make the changes and really like take it seriously. Yeah, no, that makes a complete sense. And it's so crazy. Cause again, when we go back to the conversation about checking the boxes again, trigger warning here, cause I'm going to talk about like some calorie numbers, but like, again, I was really involved in competitive CrossFit and like tracking my macros and like paying attention to what I was eating every single day. And honestly, a lot of it was kind of driven by like for a while, I was actually in a phase where I was trying to lose weight. But then there was a point where I was like, I was just trying to like maintain my weight and make sure that I was eating enough for my training, right? Because we are training so much and we have such high volume and blah, blah, blah. But I was literally eating like when I was in really hard training, I was eating like 2,500 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Thank you okay? so this much is, for sharing this. This Thank is you so not, much. <laughs> this is, this is like not a small amount of food. Okay. This is not a small amount of food. So imagine me, I'm like training along other, other girls. And then I'm like also friends with other girls that are eating like significantly less food than me and also women that are next to me probably eating the same amount than me that are like either bigger smaller whatever and like nothing's going on with them they're all fine so like how am I supposed to know that like that's not enough food for where I was at yeah so so crazy yeah no and I think that's like brings up a great point and I'm so happy you shared your calories with everyone because I've done so in the past too like I wasn't at that 2,500 calorie mark, but when I didn't have a period, like before going into HA recovery, just kind of going back to what you brought up about like the banana, right? Even though I had studied nutrition for so many years, but like part Uh of my journey was recovering from an eating disorder. So I like did everything that I possibly could to forget like 
everything about food and you know try not to know how much I was eating and so when Mm -hmm. I started my HA recovery journey I was like okay I know I have to eat more food but I actually have no idea how much I'm eating now and I was at like 1800 calories which I mean is so much less than what I needed to eat in order to get my period back but like it wasn't like, like you never, I don't know, in magazines, like you don't hear these, like it's not a restrictive, you know what I mean? No, like it's not like no, this like maybe massive, 1200 calories or even right. 1500, but right. right. I totally agree with you. 1800 is like what most women are like probably eating on a normal day. Yeah. Like without so, thinking about it. Yeah. Without thinking about it. Like that's, that's honestly what I was averaging every day. And I was just kind of like, whoa, okay, I'm not getting my period back, but like I know, or I don't have my period back yet. I was kind of in the same position as you. Like I knew all of these other people eating way less than me. And I'm like, how do I not have a period? But so I've shared that before. So I'm really happy to hear you say that, hey, I was eating 2,500 calories and I still wasn't getting my period back, you know? Exactly. But I think, and I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's so, and I think that there were probably periods of time where I like wasn't at that exact amount and maybe but there was still. other days that I was eating le- eating less, but like, let's, let's just be clear here. Like when I was out of my like time period where I was trying to lose weight, like I was never eating less than 2000 calories. And even when I was losing weight, like I was still probably over 16 to 1700 again still way like not a healthy amount of food for someone that's very active in training. It's, it's not, but again, you just layer on months of that. And then all the other, all the other stress. And I think it's just the point we're trying to make here is that everyone is so different. And just because you don't like everyone has a different threshold and like, it's not just about calories. You have to take in all these other outside factors of like stressors that are the body and the brain are taking in and what is down regulating all those all that signaling right and also like you're training hard you have so much muscle on your body and this muscle is so like expensive it's expensive to oh, yes. show. and so you need to feed that muscle so let's get into your recovery now because you're very type a <laughs> you're like I'm going all in I quit my gym membership September 1st yeah and it was like two to three months later you said your period returned right and yep. so what did those two to three months look like what was obviously you quit your gym membership but I'm also curious about like what the food looked like and just overall oh, yeah. what did recovery look like for you? Yeah. So it's a good question. I, I was still walking. Um, so I would take walks like mostly every day, but it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, surprisingly it was like this thing. I do. I mean, AJ recovery was very hard. Like, don't get me wrong. Cause looking back on it now, I like almost want to cry thinking about how difficult of a process that was, but also I sometimes get surprised at like, at the same time, how, how easy it was for me to make the decision to do it. And I think that I was almost like, I needed a, a reason and a push for me to have an excuse to change my life and like change the rabbit, like the, just the continuous hamster wheel that I was on. Okay. So for me, I not only took a backseat from like working out and completely cut it out, but I just in general, with life, I just tried to like really take a backseat and like spend more time with myself and like read more. I was journaling every single morning, like just getting so in tune with me and who I am and trying to discover kind of like who, what I can offer and what I can do outside of being like the CrossFit dietitian. Because again, at that time, like I, I haven't, I hadn't even really been a full-time dietitian for that long, but this changed the trajectory of my career and like how I wanted to, like who I wanted to help and how I wanted to to help women and and serve. So especially in the world, in the context of like sports and female athletes and everything. So um, yeah, but just to get back to like the, as far as what the recovery looked like, it was obviously, you know, working out and um, um, working, obviously working a lot and, but kind of just making that my priority and not like trying to overdo it, but just allowing myself to really focus on like building my clinical 
knowledge and experience as a dietitian and like serving my clients and not, you know, again, just not being wrapped up in the workouts and the training. And then as far as food was concerned, so I genuinely, I genuinely love, like, I know you're very much like this too. Like I genuinely love healthy food. So I love vegetables. Like I love fruit. I love meat. I love nuts, seeds. Like I, and, and I, de- I definitely didn't put any rules on myself. Like I let myself eat totally, um, unrestricted, like without rules when I was hungry, I ate when I wasn't hungry, I didn't eat, but, um, I still ate like really, I mean, I still ate a lot of healthy foods just because they're like the foods that I like to enjoy. So it's like, I would still wake up every morning before AJ and have like a bowl of oatmeal with like protein powder mixed in and, and berries on top and like peanut butter in it. And like, but the amount that I would eat compared to like what I should have been eating was just not enough. So it's like, I really enjoy eating those things. So it's like, I just had to really be conscious about how much. And so for the first couple of weeks, I did track my food to just get myself of an understanding about like where I was. And, um, but then after that, I just really felt like I had a good handle on it. And I wasn't really concerned about like whether I was eating enough because like eating has never been an issue for me. Like you can ask any of my friends or my family, like, I, I, I don't have a problem getting food in. So like, I know that's not the situation for a lot of girls that like come from a place of really not eating a lot of food. But again, like I was eating a lot of food. So for me to add an extra 500 to a thousand calories a day, like it personally wasn't that difficult for me. I just had to add a lot more to the meals that I was already eating. And I was such a volume person. And, and so I would eat like huge salads with like, meat and protein and like all the, these veggies and whatever. And I would like get full from them, but like, it wasn't really a lot of calories, right? It was just a lot of volume. So I was just very conscious about like, okay, I can have salads and and have vegetables, but I was like adding a cup of rice in, adding potatoes in, like adding apricots and dried fruit, like to my meals, because I had to, I knew that I just had to get like the calorie amount up. So Um, yeah, so it was a lot of like what I used to do, but just really being a lot more conscious about like how I needed to increase the caloric density of these meals. Right. And I know that I have an advantage. I had an advantage coming into this, just like knowing so much about food and being a dietitian and you know, the food thing, it wasn't really as much of an issue for me. Like I knew once I had to like what I needed to get in and how much I needed to get in, I knew the ways to do it. I knew how I could do it in a, in a, in an easy way. Um, but there was also like way more ice cream that I've had ever like been doing in the past or just like desserts on random weeknights. Like I kind of always had like weird rules about like not really eating junk during the week and like, not like I ever was any crazy during the weekends, but I just didn't want to eat poorly to affect my training and like not feel good for my workouts. It wasn't really necessarily a fear about the foods or them being bad for me. I just was so like, I just want to be a good athlete and I want to train really hard. So I just love a lot more of that stuff. I think I single-handedly require, recovered my period with dried apricots, like if we're being I honest. I love dried apricots. Um, so like <laughs> my husband and I laugh about this because like we would like go to Costco and get the big bag. And like, I would just like have a handful of those every night before bed, which was just like amazing. <laughs> so good. And I'm ready to I like recovered my period just from those. Um, but I just, yeah, I, did that answer your question? What questions do you yeah, have about that? I yeah. know I'm a little all over the place. No, I love that so much. And honestly, I have so many other questions, but I think it's just refreshing to hear from someone who like went through HA recovery without having an eating disorder, like prior to a dietitian who still enjoys eating healthy food. And no, it was just really cool to hear that. And I think for a lot of people, it'll probably be inspiring. I know for myself, like I, I'm like team eat more food. Like I just, it's like, if I can eat more food, I'm going to eat more food. Right. Like I think it's so like, it's like, if I can eat 3000 calories versus 2,500 calories, like I'm going to eat the 3000 calories because like food. Right. And I, I don't know. I want everyone to get that message that, or like really be inspired by that, that like, it's a good thing to be able to eat more food. Right. Like we, we, 
like the ultimate goal in life should be able to be to be able to eat the most amount of food and feel really good. So that was like my mentality the whole time. Like I knew I was going to have to gain weight. I knew I was going to have to go through this process, but I feel like I deep down did know that like at the end of the day, my ultimate goal, cause I love food too. And I want to be able to like eat as much food as possible while still feeling like really comfortable in my body. And like, I knew that my body would eventually like come to a place of homeostasis and like really balance out after, you know, I did have to have that and that, that weight gain with my HA recovery because, and it's just again, crazy. Cause like when I had to gain weight from like my lowest weight, like that's a weight that some people ha- like gain, get to during HA recovery. So it's just like trying to make this point that like, you just, everyone is so different and everyone has such a different experience. And and that was kind of hard for me for, for some time, because I did feel like even when I started my HA journey, like my recovery journey, like I, I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm already really sitting at a weight that like should be comfortable and like normal for me. But I knew I was going to have to like put on the weight and get my body to feel safe. I, I knew it. Um, it was, it didn't make it any less like easy. Like it was hard. It was so hard. Um, but I just, I just knew like I had, you know, for me and my personality, it was just easier for me to kind of like go in a little more all, all in, like throw all my eggs into this bucket and just like experience it and work through it versus like trying to go at a really slow rate and then have a, like it just delaying the process if that makes sense. I understand that like not everyone has to approach it that way. And I'm not saying it's the right or wrong way to do it. That's just the way I chose to do it. Yeah. And no, I love that you, that's where our journeys are. Well, there is a lot of differences in our journeys. Like I was definitely, I've never been an athlete. Right. And Anyway, so that's why I like chatting with people like you to hear about your journeys and stuff. And then you went like all in, all in. And I definitely was like, kind of like tipping my toes in. So yeah, you know, and I think that was like another difference for me. It was like, I knew for me, it wasn't about the exercise and it was very much about the food for me. Yeah. Yeah. 100%, which is, which makes sense as to why you were able to kind of keep some training in, in your routine. Right. right. Because like, I, I take it or leave it, but like, yeah, I kept it in, but I had like these rules around it too. Like I was following like a three day a week program. And I kind of set this rule for myself because I was using like barbells with like the plates and stuff. But I set this rule for myself that, okay, I can't use a barbell anymore. Like I was only Mm -hmm. using my dumbbells, you know? And so I scaled it back way, way back. And then there was definitely weeks where I'm like, why am I even working out? Like, this is just like, why? So then I just didn't, you know? Yeah. 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 So that was just kind of like a natural process for you. Like that just kind of happened for me. It was like my body thrived off of the adrenaline. Like I was in CrossFit, you're just doing high intensity. And that's why I, I needed so badly to take a break from intensity and CrossFit because I don't think even if I, I, again, I don't really know, but I don't know if, if I would have just increased my food and like eaten 3000 calories a day and still continue to work out. I just don't know if, and how long it would have taken me to recover my period. Because I think that a lot of my, just like, I was just, my body was just on edge and at, at such a, a place of just like, overstimulation because I was just going to like a red line every single day. And I don't think I was just, I was thriving off that, that like that high cortisol and, and the adrenaline. And I just don't, I just don't know if I would have recovered because I was just getting to a point where I would walk into the gym and just not even be excited about going into workout because I just like knew how terrible I was going to feel like even during the workout and, and mentally and emotionally, I was just so over like, pushing myself so hard in the gym every single day. So then it's like when I, when I had to take that away for, it was three, it was four months that I did absolutely no CrossFit, like no intensity. Um, and now like if we're fast forwarding to where we're at today, it's like, 
I'm so excited to walk into the gym. I'm very intentional about my workouts. And like, it's just so nice to be able to be at a place where I'm like, just, I, I know I'm confident going in. Like I am going to get, I'm, I'm going to work out. It's going to be intense, but like everything outside of it is all going well. And my body is equipped to handle that, like that short dose of intensity and stress that it's under. Whereas before it just was like, it was just this chronic red line of just always under overstimulated and in this sympathetic nervous system mode. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I think a lot of people who go through HA recovery and they know that like, they're more similar to you and they need to like take time off of exercise. They like have to quit their CrossFit membership or whatever it is. Like they kind of forget that there is a way to go back to these things and like in a healthy way, you can still get your period. I mean, I'm training more intensely than I ever have in my entire life. And I ovulate at the exact same time every month. I have my period at the exact same time every month, but I'm also like taking care of myself in the best way I've ever have. And I'm eating the most I ever have in my life. Right. So let's talk to those people and just remind them like, Hey, you actually can go back to these things that you love, but like, what does that look like for you, Abby? So like you said, your training's really intentional, but like also talk about like how, you know, like nourishing your body or fueling your body kind of goes hand in hand with that. Yeah, no, I love it. So as I mentioned, like went all in, did not do any workouts or anything for a good three to four months. So, you know, that standard rule of like, wait till you get your third recovery period before you really try to reintroduce if that is something you're doing. Um, So it was after that third period that I was kind of like, okay, like let's try to do this. And so I knew starting out, it was going to be no intensity, no CrossFit, no anything. I was like, I'm just going bare bones, like dumbbells, isolated lifting, like low intensity. So I would say for the first like month or so, it was maybe two times a week. I would go into like the apartment gym and just like do dumbbells, like RDLs and bicep curls and shoulder presses and like start to put a barbell on my back and and back squat like 10 pounds on each side. It wasn't. So, I mean, I probably should have done a better job of tracking like the exact progression of what I was doing week to week. That's kind of my one regret is I just wish I would have measured it a little better because I think I was kind of just going more off of like feel, which is fine. But I also wish I kind of would have just recorded a little bit more to be like, I feel like there's things in my HA recovery journey that I'm like, oh, I wish I like documented that better. Yes, exactly. Because so many people now ask me about like my, you know, that the whole process of like working, training back in. And this is one thing that is, you'll find out like, there's no set way to do this because everyone just responds so differently. But, um, so yeah, that's kind of what I think I did for like a month or two. And then, um, I think at that point I really was like starting to want to try to bring a little bit of CrossFit in. And I knew that if I was going to do it, it was going to have to be like one time a week of anything and at like 50% capacity. So I started to go back to the gym, maybe on like Saturday and it was like a partner workout. And I would just like, again, I would go, I wouldn't even like push myself to the point where like my heart rate even got that high. Like I would look at my Apple watch and like monitor what my heart rate was to make sure that it was like sitting at a place that wasn't like too, so crazy. Um, so, you know, I would work back then th- that back in. And as far as food was concerned at this time, like I just continued to do everything I was doing, but I was extremely intentional about pre and post workout. So, um, like if I was going to work out, I did not work out first thing in the morning. I would only work out basically after I had eaten at least a full breakfast or like a breakfast and like a mid-morning snack. Like the earliest I would work out would probably be like a lunchtime thing. But more often than not, I was working out in the evening and I had always been five, six a.m. or like first thing in the morning, coffee, like no food. Um, So that was definitely, I knew that was going to have to be an adjustment, but especially sticking my feet back into training, I knew that was going to be necessary. So I kept that up for a long time. And honestly, I still... I do work out in the morning now, but it's like, 
typically around nine in the morning or like noon. And there's always like a full meal before that in the morning. So I'm at a place now where my body can handle that. But again, starting out, I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure my body feels safe. Um, and just give it all the tools it needs there. So, um, I would do that for a while. And then I think I just like, if we're kind of just putting like a timeline on this, that was like maybe like January through February, maybe a little bit into March. And then I feel like around like March is when I started to dabble in doing some CrossFit workouts again. And, um, but at the same time, so I would maybe do like one CrossFit workout a week with like, that was low. Like I wouldn't push myself very hard, which now looking back, I probably like did push myself like maybe a little bit harder than like I think I was, but I would also work in a couple of the other days that I was doing prior. So just like a couple of like accessory lifting, like a, an arm day, a leg day. Um, again, there was no method to it. I wish there would have been a little bit more of a method to it, but I would say if I had to put a number on it, I was probably working out like three or four days a week. And I definitely like everything was going pretty good for the most part. Like my, my cycles weren't perfect. Like I'm not going to be like, Oh my gosh, this is like, everything went perfectly. Like there would be some months where like, you know, I would ovulate like a little bit later and then I would kind of get nervous. So I would kind of dial back a little bit. Like there was definitely some, some months of that. And I think that that's like now looking back on it, I know that's not a bad thing. I think I just, your body's like trying to re-figure out like how to deal with this new stress that it's being reintroduced to in the context of still recovering and a cycle. So I definitely think there were probably some weeks that like I did push in maybe a little bit more than I was probably good for me. And then I would kind of dial back and like take a few days off of doing nothing. Um, and even though everyone says like, I'm not going to do that, you know, I did that. Like there were definitely times I did that, but I never went a month without bleeding. So like, let's just say that, like I, there would be months where like I would ovulate later than normal. And then my luteal phase would be shorter than I wanted. And then I would really kind of be conscious about that going into the next month. So it was kind of like this continuous, like self-evaluation and accountability that I was having with myself. And I think that it was definitely hard. Um, and if I was at a different phase of life, I don't know if it would have been differently, but let's just be honest. Like I got married last October and this was like a very, very hard process to be going through. Like in the year I was like engaged, right. Because my body had changed so much. Like I didn't feel like myself, but I was like, you know, taking on this entirely new, like just phase of life. And then I'm like trying to like get ready to get married and like wedding, wedding dress shop and all this stuff. So I do think that I had like, yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy and it was hard. And so, I mean, again, I wish I could have just been like, oh, just, you know, you're going to like look beautiful and whatever. But I definitely did feel kind of like self-conscious about trying on dresses and like wanting to do all that. So I do think that there was probably a little bit more of like leading up to like wedding dress shopping and like in those months before the wedding that I probably was like pushing the gym. Like I never was compromising on my food. Like I was pretty good about just like continuing you, to eat, yeah. but I do think everyone just needs yeah, to like, know you're like really good every, on the food piece. Everyone needs to be aware that like I am fine with the food. Like I was eating fine. Um you can ask anyone that. But it was definitely more of like I was pushing more days in the gym. I was doing CrossFit a little bit more. And honestly, if I'm just being completely honest, like I think I knew it to a degree. And I almost like accepted it because I was like, okay, like I'm getting married and I like want to feel good. And if I have, if I'm like pushing it a little bit more and my period isn't perfect, but I maybe lose like a couple of pounds, then I like, it's worth it to me. And I'm not saying like, I look back on that. I'm like, that probably wasn't like the right thing to do. But again, this is my journey. Like, this is what I was going through. And so I felt great for my wedding. I like didn't, it wasn't anything like super crazy. Like it's not like I went through any like drastic weight loss, but I definitely did like naturally just kind of like find more of a, a healthy weight for me. And again, never throughout this whole time did I not bleed. So I want to say there was probably one month that I can confidently say I did not ovulate. And it was an anal ovulatory cycle for sure. Otherwise I was ovulating. My ovulation was just like, a little all over the place. Okay. And so then like, 
you know, and there was also stress from like the wedding and planning the wedding. Like, I know you're about to go through all that. Like, it's going to be a thing. And, and then I'm just, you know, I did the best that I could. I did the best that I could that I needed to do for me. And, um, I guess kind of like coming off of that time. So that was last October and like we got married. And then I really, at that time was, again, I I'd been doing good, but I really just wanted to put a little bit of extra attention into like really making sure I was being mindful and conscious about my workouts, my food, everything. So really have dialed everything in really well. And like, even after like, it was like my honeymoon hit and it was like, everything has been like clockwork since then. So, so like, you know, and we're going on like a whole nother year now. So um, yeah, I hope that wasn't like too all over the place. I know I was a little bit scattered there, but um, this is all great. It's so hard to like look back at this process and like try and think through all the different like feelings you had and emotions like it all just blurs together now but that's just no I so hear you I mean my journey was a year long right like I started August Mm -hmm. and then I got my period the following August and Mm -hmm. like I look back at all of those months in between and it's like wow like I could probably choose like a theme for every month right like a thing that was like really coming up for me that month but yeah, no, it's so interesting, like, looking at, like, the January, for an example, I'm like, oh, wow, I was, like, in a really great place in January, but then it's, like, there was all these months, like, after that, Mm -hmm. right, like, eight Mm -hmm. months after that, that I was still going through stuff and figuring stuff out, so, no, it is such a journey, (laughs) but, like, it is such a journey one, and I know you said that as well. Oh, it's so life changing. Like, I mean, just what you learn throughout this process is like nothing that you can take back. And it doesn't make, you know, there's going to be times where like, I don't know if you feel like this too, but like you, you do sort of more versions of like yourself and, and not necessarily like to the point where it would ever make me want to like revert back to habits that I had or whatever I was doing. But like, you know, just especially in my journey, like as someone that does CrossFit, like I'm relearning like so much and I'm having to like re I'm building my strength and my skill and my endurance and my fitness back up to a place that is still far beyond where I was. So that that's hard sometimes. Like I, you know, I have to just be like really accepting and love this new version of me of where I'm at in my fitness journey and like what the goals are for me at this point. And I'm very like nine, nine, nine times out of 10, like I'm very confident and happy, like with, with those days, of course, like I'm here and there's days where I get down and like feel discouraged and whatever. And, but at the end of the day, like I would not change this process for anything. And I know it's, it's also just, it's given me so much purpose and my, even in my career going forward, like I, I can't even imagine not having having gone through this and being where I'm at in my career, like as a dietitian and and the type of women I'm working with and how I'm helping women. And it's just, especially as I, I've mentioned a few times, like in the, in the, in the sphere of women that are active and like want to be competitive, not necessarily like they have to be competitive athletes, but like work out and be fit and like still have, have experiences with this. So I know I just, it's just such a journey, but I wouldn't change it. No, I've never heard anyone regret recovery. So (laughs) yeah, that just doesn't happen. Right. But I do have a couple more questions, like as we come to the end of the show and yeah, so both you and I had gone through this period where we knew we had HA, but we were, we either like kind of ignored it, put blinders on whatever, but we ended up Mm -hmm. getting to this place where we were like, we know something has to change. So yeah. For those listening to this podcast episode right now that are still mm-hmm. in that space, mm-hmm. that they they know that they have HA, they know they don't have a period, they kind of know what they need to do, but they're still not yet at that point of like really wanting mm-hmm. to get it back or really like committing to the journey. Like, is there anything you would say to those people? I think one of the biggest things that helped me, and I had to repeat this over in my head a million times, is that nobody else cares about what you're doing. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. You, like so many people, I feel like put so 
like the barrier for them to making these changes is definitely them themselves and the fear and the changes that they're going to experience, but also like what other people are going to think or what other people are going to view about, about their experience. And I just had to keep telling myself, like the only person that is impacted by this is me. Okay. Nobody else has to experience not sleeping through the night. Nobody else has to experience me like potentially not being able to get pregnant. Like nobody else has all these different things. And the only person that gets to experience what it's going to feel like on the other side is me. So I guess that's just something that I know that might not work for every single person, but just like really trying to help people understand that, like, at the end of the day, this is going to impact you and you just try not to be clouded by like potential other opinions or like feelings about what you're going to be going through, because that was a, you know, that's Danny and I talk about this all the time of like, you, you're fearful that like, I leave the gym. I stopped doing CrossFit. I like put on weight and like nobody, like a lot of people didn't know what I was going through. So it could have easily looked like I was just like, not feeling like working out, like letting myself go and like doing all the, like just didn't care. And, and, and I, those, those like realizations were hard, but it was also, I knew it did at the end of the day, like nobody else was affected by it. Like nobody else was affected by what, what I was going through. So, um, I guess that's one thing I would say. And also just, you know, if you're someone that has to take baby steps, then definitely take the baby steps, like do one thing and make one change and start to pay attention to like the difference that you're going to feel and how, how it's going to benefit you. Um, because sometimes, you know, if you're not feeling like you're able to go all in and just like commit to this process, then try to take, try to address the big rocks and like those big things, like really eat, like in small bites. And eventually I think you'll realize that when you start to feel so good, like you're not going to want to go back. I think that's just, just getting people to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, prior to getting your period back, like you, you don't realize like how much you're struggling or like how great maybe you don't feel right. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, like, absolutely. Even, like, not even like physically, but Like, I was definitely caught up in, like, what my body looked like and body image struggles and things like that. And I couldn't imagine being where I am today and being so happy and confident and comfortable. And, yeah, it's just, like, those things you don't realize that are waiting for you on the other side, right? Once you get to the other side, you, you won't even know how it took you so long to get there that is so much easier said than done from our perspective for, for where people are at, but just know that if you're doing anything you can to move you towards that direction, then you're doing something good. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're doing this or you're not. If you are trying to take a step in that direction, then the the effects of that are going to change. I think how you continue to progress. And I think you're a perfect example of someone that experienced that. Like it did take you longer to get to that place. You did have to make small changes and it wasn't a quick process for you. Like look where you're at now and you couldn't imagine where you would have been at the start of it. Right. Right. Exactly. So, okay. Um, last question. You're on the unbreakable you podcast. What does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Oh man. I think for me, it means, I mean, I'm going to take this into like the actual realistic practicalness of my life, but I think like I'm always someone that has always just really struggled like dealing with stress and like being easily derailed with stress. And that, that makes my body like very sensitive to stress. So like me being unbreakable personally means like I'm able to go through my days and like take on the stressors of life and just like take it in and handle them and manage them in a way that just doesn't impact me for the long term with my health. Um, Cause we're all going to experience, like, this is not about like eliminating stress from your life or just like not ever being sad or never being like wanting to improve your body composition. It's literally about like, how can you best 
manage and decrease the perception of stress that your body has to go through. So I think just from like a practical aspect, that is what it means for me is just like continuing to just, yeah, be resilient through like all, all that life is going to continue to throw at me and, and not have to like go through this process again. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so great. And Abby, for those of um for our listeners who are yes. listening and resonating with your story and want more of what you have to share, where can everyone find you? And I know you work like one-on-one with clients, that sort of thing. So we yeah. will have all of your links in the show notes, by the way. Yes, so. perfect. So um, as of course you can find me on Instagram. So I do a lot on there. It's Abby Grimm underscore RD. And then we also have, um, our forward fuel Instagram. So that's at FWD fuel. So that's the dietitian that I work alongside. That's our company. So that's more of a lot of like general functional nutrition sports stuff, but we also, you know, throw in a lot of the stuff that I like to talk about too. But then on the other side, I just have a different, you know, focus I guess, of my page. So we just really like to the, the, the pages balance each other out, but they're both great. And then um, our website is um, fwdfuel.com. So we have like blogs on there. We have, um, you can register for like our coaching packages on there, but also I do work one-on-one with individuals and I am still offering that right now. So if that's something that someone is interested in, they can honestly get directly in contact with me either through my Instagram. Um, and then there's also a way to register for like a free strategy call, like discovery call. If someone's just interested in like what I do and how it would, what it would look like to work together, we can get on a call, um, just totally free of charge to like chat and figure out whether it'd be a good fit. So they can either contact me about that or it's in my link in my bio if they wanted to register for that. Awesome. Thank you so much, sweetheart. Oh my gosh. This was amazing, Meg. You're (laughs) phenomenal. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you all. (laughs) 